You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A stunning development today at the sentencing hearing for the Dutch man who was found guilty of harassing and extorting BC teenager Amanda Todd online before she took her own life. In a clear signal of how serious the crimes are, a BC Supreme Court justice handed down an even stiffer sentence for Aidan Coban than the Crown had asked for. Ramina Dea is live outside the courthouse now with more on how this dramatic and emotional day unfolded. Ramina. Chris, tears and hugs in courtroom 209 when Justice Devlin's bold decision came down. The judge sentencing 44-year-old Aidan Coben to a 13-year jail sentence. That was amazing. It was amazing because it was justice for Amanda. Amanda Todd's family overjoyed and relieved. Justice Devlin saying a severe sentence is necessary to deter online child predators. Ruining Amanda's life was Mr. Coben's expressly stated goal and was sadly one that he achieved. He enjoyed his victim's escalating distress. He possesses a serious risk to society. I'm not confident that rehabilitation is a viable option at this time. I still think it could even be more. It really needs to be hit hard. It's a big problem, and hopefully this does take it to that higher level. We did it. We did it for you. We did it for everyone. Devlin praising Amanda's courage for posting her never-ending story of torment, fear, humiliation, and depression. The Port Coquitlam team, 15, when she ended her life a decade ago. Crown argued for 12 years, defense two years. In the end, Coben's Canadian sentence of 13 years will be served after the Dutch one. Coben has two years left on his 11-year sentence in the Netherlands, where he was convicted for crimes against 33 children, as young as 9 and 10 years old. I want him to stay in prison. There's two parts to it. Him staying in prison and case law in Canada changing, that's precedent setting. Friday's victory a decade in the making. The Todd family thanking Crown, police and everyone who didn't give up on Amanda. Myself today. The teen's legacy very much alive. Saving other children from the same devastation is Amanda's story. She's made a difference. Amanda always told me when she was alive that she wanted to be a famous singer. Amanda, you made it. People know who you are and what you've done. Now, according to the terms of surrender, Coben must be returned to the Netherlands within 45 days. At this point, it's unclear what a, ju what a Dutch judge is going to do with his Canadian sentence. Back to you. All right, we'll wait to hear. That's Romina Dea reporting from New, West, uh, New Westminster. Thanks, Romina. New pictures from Vancouver police as they look for the suspect in an alleged sucker punch attack over the summer. The incident happened August 14th at around 1 in the morning outside a pub near Granville and Helmkin. The victim, a 36-year-old, was on the sidewalk surrounded by a number of people when a stranger came up and punched him in the head, knocking him to the ground. Police don't believe there had been any interaction between the two before the attack. The victim suffered lasting facial injuries. Vancouver police are asking anyone who witnessed the incident to contact them.
Smoke has been drifting across the lower mainland all day as fire crews tackle a highly visible wildfire near Cypress Mountain. Aaron MacArthur is live with more on this. And Aaron, a number of helicopters, we've been watching them bucketing all day. What's the latest? Yeah, Chris, the helicopters are gone. The smoke is largely gone. The fire is contained, but it doesn't mean it's out. Even a fire this size will require a large mop-up effort. Just before sunrise, smoke was visible near Eagle Ridge Bluffs. A fire burning near popular hiking trails in Cypress Falls Park, just south of Eagle Lake. The West Vancouver Fire Department responded immediately with a crew of six. But while smoke could be seen across Metro Vancouver, getting access to the fire proved challenging. There is a road that gets us within approximately a kilometer of the area, but we've had to um, cut a trail into the area to get access to the fire. The immediate concern, the water filtration plant at Eagle Lake, which is used as a water reservoir for portions of West Vancouver. The drought has drawn down the lake level to critical stages. A 20,000-gallon truck was brought in to give ground crews water the district telling helicopter crews to bucket water from nearby White Lake. We try to knock it down as much as we can from the air so then the crews can go in and just deal with the spot fires. The fire has so far been held to about two hectares. BC Wildfire sending a crew to get in on the ground and work the fire to keep it from spreading. Warmer afternoon temperatures and the potential for stronger winds making it crucial to attack the small fire aggressively. We currently have uh, 20 plus firefighters and three helicopters that are working at that fire and uh, we will continue to assist the fire department for as long as they need us. The fire burning near popular hiking and mountain biking trails. With no lightning at all around the region, it's being investigated as human caused. While it's not threatening any homes, it's burning close enough to smell the smoke. Living here close to the forest, this is kind of our worst fear. You know, when you've got um, a, a forest, particularly a dry forest, um, and you've got fire conditions like this, waking up in the morning and seeing smoke on the ridge is not the way you want to start your day. Along with several other fires around Metro Vancouver this fall, this is the second wildfire West Vancouver has responded to in less than a week. Crews facing much different fire behavior than a typical autumn. Currently, there are 22 firefighters on scene. They finally got access to the ground about 3.30. Those crews will continue to work until it gets dark tonight. An overnight crew will make sure it doesn't flare up. The District of West Vancouver has plans to be on this scene over the next 36 to 48 hours. Chris. All right, we appreciate the work they're doing up there. Thanks very much. That's Aaron in West Vancouver. Thanks, Aaron. Well, the ongoing drought and dry conditions are raising concerns that at least parts of this province should still be under summer fire prevention rules. Paul Johnson has more on that and the dramatic difference in the fire hazard compared to last year. Another summer-like autumn day. And in many parts of the lower mainland, especially the Fraser Valley, there's lingering smoke and haze in the air from rare mid-October wildfires. The Coastal Fire Center is currently tracking 50 fires throughout the region. So this is the tip of Point Grey in Vancouver, which normally has an oceanic climate. Right now, it's tinder dry out here. So you can imagine what things are like the further east you go, where the conditions tend to be drier and warmer. Check out the fire danger map of B.C. right now. 
where the orange indicates extreme danger and the blue means very low. Now, look at the map from last year at this time and see the difference. We just have not seen what we would call a season-ending rainfall event this year. So given the extreme conditions, you might wonder what the status is for outdoor recreation that involves fire. The province lifted its campfire ban for Crown land and provincial parks last month. Friday, they said they're comfortable sticking with that, knowing that nighttime temperatures are low enough now and most campers are responsible. But if you live in a city and you're looking forward to some Halloween fireworks, that's something that could change. Kamloops and Maple Ridge have already banned fireworks, and others are no doubt considering it. Here's West Vancouver's fire chief. We actually had a meeting, a wildfire meeting this morning, uh, the latest one that we've ever had this year, and it's a topic of discussion because we really have to look at you know, the banning of, of fireworks on the North Shore. The weather could change, but we need to be ahead of this. Paul Johnson, Global News. And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more on the drought conditions and when we might start seeing some precipitation. Christy. Well, Sophie, for the first time in weeks, we are now starting to see the potential end to this incredible persistent ridge of high pressure that we've been dealing with. Here's a quick look. So this is the upper level flow that shows the jet stream, which has been driving up and over the province for weeks on end. Underneath that or below it is where we're seeing all that mild, warm air be pushed up into our province. That pattern is going to hold strong for the next six to seven days. But by the end of next week, come Friday, it looks like the pattern is going to break down. And as we well know, that means the onslaught potentially of fall is set to begin. But we do still have a good six to seven days before that occurs. So back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. All right. Now to the civic election. And there could be a number of new mayors after tomorrow's vote. And that would make for some interesting and potentially awkward relationships after some high profile endorsements from members of the provincial government. Richard Zussman reports. They haven't always agreed on everything. We are still losing millions of dollars a week. At the height of the pandemic, Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart didn't get the big provincial bailout he wanted. But a strong relationship between the former NDP MP turned mayor and the NDP provincial government did help long term. We've worked with the provincial government and the federal government, brought in a billion dollars uh, to build housing. And now Mayor Stewart is hoping one more lifeline can extend his time in office. A growing pile of endorsements from some of the province's most well-known NDP politicians. From Environment Minister George Hamath to Health Minister Adrian Dix to the likely next Premier David Eby. A potential hope for Stewart, a potential problem for the province. If the provincial government has endorsed candidates who end up losing and have to work with different mayors, that doesn't get the new relationship off to a great start. A recent run of polls shows Ken Sim is set to challenge Stewart in the mayoral race. His campaign organizers, many the same people who helped BC Liberal Kevin Falcon. Sim's focus on one thing, to fulfill his promises on housing and transit, that means provincial help.
We are going to act together as a region to make sure we secure the most funding possible uh, from the provincial and federal governments. Something similar playing out here in Victoria as well. A letter from longtime NDP stalwart Carol James sent to every voter supporting her friend and mayoral candidate Marianne Alto. It could create a prickly situation if Alto's opponent Stephen Andrew ends up as the mayor. Partisan politics really should play no role in municipal politics. And my job, if I'm elected, is to work with whoever is in government. Politicians all can agree. Delivering for voters can lengthen their time in office, meaning putting differences aside can be beneficial for everyone. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. We will, of course, have extensive coverage of the election starting tomorrow at 8 p.m. And there are a number of interesting races to watch. Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria. Uh, that one could be interesting. Which other races are we looking at, Keith? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. I think tomorrow is shaping up to be the most interesting round of municipal elections that we've seen for quite some time. All sorts of new faces are going to be uh, in mayor chairs and councillor seats as well. So here's a number of things to look for, not just races, uh, but obviously, as Richard just touched on, the race in Vancouver is particularly one to watch, as is the one in Surrey and Victoria. New mayors in Victoria because uh, councillors are running there. Also, what will the voter turnout be? Traditionally, it's very low. And will voters turn on incumbent mayors and councillors like never before. Usually it's a low turnout means a number of incumbents are usually safe. And finally there are a number of anti-vax, anti-government candidates out there belonging to different parties. Will they win school board seats? School boards don't get nearly the scrutiny that mayoral races and council races get, Sophie. But there is seems to be a concerted effort by at least one party with sort of soft ties to the People's Party of Canada trying to get a foothold into the, some of the school boards around B.C. So lots to watch tomorrow. And of course you and I and Chris and everyone else is going to be on for a long time <laughs> talking about the races. Hopefully not as long as 2018, but we'll, no. we'll hang in there if there are close races. Definitely, Keith. Of course, it's on Global, on BC One, uh, online, uh, on our website, and uh, on your streaming services as well. Thanks, Keith. I remember that. It was an all-nighter. All right, Cypress Mountain is suing the province. How the solution to a parking problem at the ski hill might hinge on what happens in court. That's next on the News Hour. So this is my second retirement. Legendary Richmond City Councillor Harold Steve says goodbye to a half century of civic politics. Why that doesn't mean he's done working. And look who else is retiring. Why Smokey the Bear is being replaced coming up. Right now, though, the owners of the Cypress Mountain Ski Resort are suing the provincial government over ownership of a road the resort has always treated as its own. The road has become severely overcrowded and Cypress wants the ability to charge people for parking there. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, that's a right they're willing to fight for in court. At Cypress Provincial Park in West Vancouver, a 300-meter section of road is now the focus of a lawsuit. Cypress Mountain Resort wants control of the Hollyburn Access Road, which branches off from Cypress Bowl Road to the Nordic area. The reason? So it can charge for parking. Obviously not too happy about it, but that seems to be the way it's going everywhere. I don't think we would use it less, but I do think it's unfortunate because getting outdoors was always, you know, a free thing. The lawsuit references shifting park boundaries over the years, claiming 
Cypress Bowl Recreations submits that it is appropriate for this court to rectify Permit 1506 to provide for the inclusion of the entire Hollyburn Access Road within the controlled recreation area boundary. The Ministry of Environment told Global News that they are aware of the suit, but because it's before the courts, there won't be any comment. According to the BC Supreme Court Registry, the petition is set to be heard November 3rd and 4th, with a possible ruling to follow on whether parking in the Nordic area at Cyprus will remain free or become metered. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Also coming up, culture clash in BC court. He still doesn't have a birth certificate. Why a BC couple is still battling to give their baby a name. And how Big White Ski Resort has become a victim of its own success. Good evening, and while it's still busy for eastbound traffic on Highway 1 through Burnaby, there are big delays westbound now as well due to a multi-vehicle accident at Gillardy with crews on scene. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million, plus an estimated 60 Max Millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Attention consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. A Vancouver Island family is taking the provincial government to court over the name of their son. He's called Glugualas, which comes from his indigenous heritage but it is not officially recognized by B.C. authorities because it uses non-Latin characters. Kylie Stanton reports. At nine months old, he's learning to wave and loves exploring new things. <laughs> but Glugualas is still waiting on an official birth certificate after the province repeatedly refused to register his indigenous name. It shouldn't be this hard. Glugualas is a beautiful name, a powerful name, and it deserves to be recognized. The boy's parents have now filed a petition in BC Supreme Court, arguing registering their son's birth using only his last name has resulted in a significant burden and emotional toll, going on to say they felt forced into this circumstance due to the financial hardship caused by being unable to access benefits that are conditional on an approved birth registration. It's just saying that they didn't have the right to refuse it. Um, under the charter and under UNDRIP, and that hopefully pushes the government to act faster because um, it's ridiculous for any parent to have to wait this long. The Ministry of Health did not respond to our request for comment, but in April said it was working with the registrar on making the necessary changes to accommodate Indigenous languages. As it stands, the special Kwakwala characters used in the spelling, the lambda, raised W, and schwa, or upside-down E, are still not recognized. According to this letter sent to the Shaws back in March, the Vital Statistics Agency went as far as suggesting changing the spelling of the name to meet the standards. But Smith says that would completely compromise the meaning, and she's done with compromise. Living in these times in which the government talks a lot about reconciliation, um, talks a lot about recognizing Indigenous people, this just shows me that, you know, we're not there. The hope is the petition will help to set a precedent moving forward. And for Shaw, 
that's something worth fighting for. He deserves to be recognized. Kylie Stanton, Global News. The former owner of a notorious North Vancouver hostel is going to jail for a month. Emily Yu ran an illegal 15-bed hostel in a townhouse. In 2017, she was ordered to pay more than $6,000 in fines. In 2020, a judge ordered Yu's eviction and forced her to sell the unit after a pitched battle with her strata. But she left her former place a mess. And today, a judge sentenced you to 30 days in jail for disobeying court orders, also ordering her to serve one year probation. Coming up, a previously unknown risk to some children from playing video games. This is new territory for all of us. How BC health experts discovered a link between gaming and potentially deadly heart disease. Also tonight, after a lifetime in public service, what Richmond legend Harold Steves is planning for his retirement. Decision 2022, from the first ballot cast to the final tally. All the issues, all the players. Full election coverage, Saturday, October 15th, 8 to 11.30 p.m. on Global BC. Decision 2022. Busy but steady in both directions tonight at the Arthur Lane Bridge with just the usual congestion at the north end to and from Vancouver. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. It's been a very challenging couple of years for Big White Ski Resort with the pandemic creating major shortages going back to 2020. A shortage of visitors at first, then a lack of staff. And this year it gets even worse with dwindling staff accommodation. It's catastrophic. This is the worst I've ever seen it and I've been here since 1985. Senior Vice President at Big White, Michael J. Ballingall, tells Global News there are a number of factors at play behind the shortage of beds for staff, most notably the sale of nearly 40% of on-mountain accommodation during the pandemic. Ballingall says there has been a tremendous appetite amongst Canadians and foreigners looking to either live in these units themselves or rent them out to, to tourists instead of resort staff. The people that have purchased them from the Okanagan Valley are now going to use them. So they're my customers um, and, and they're going to or convert them to Airbnb, which has grown substantially. Before the pandemic, we had just under a dozen Airbnbs. Now we have over 400. So it's, uh, it's really changed the landscape on the mountain. Serious challenge given that 450 staff beds built over the past three years are already occupied. One possible solution could include shuttle buses for commuting staff, but Ballingall says even that is difficult given both a bed shortage at UBCO and, of course, the rising cost of gas. Video games can be great entertainment for kids, but new BC-based research has discovered a risk that can be deadly for some children. And it's new information for parents, ammunition for parents, who want their kids to get outside and get some fresh air. Kristen Robinson has the story. Oh, that's why. Gaming is part of growing up for billions of kids. But a new study has discovered a link between video games 
and a potentially deadly heart rhythm. This study is a small sample and it's, a, it's an early signal that in some children, I think in certain populations, video games can be dangerous. The head of pediatric cardiology at BC Children's Hospital, among the researchers who found 22 cases around the world where children blacked out while gaming. Six or 27% experienced cardiac arrest and four or 18% died suddenly. All of the kids were aged 7 to 16, 19 or 86% were male. Multiplayer war games were the most frequent trigger. I don't know if that just represents the proportion of games that are being played anyways. So is that a normal sample or is that a skewed sample? So it's, you know, we don't have enough data to really, you know, ascertain that. The report, published in Heart Rhythm, found a proarrhythmic cardiac diagnosis was known in 7 or 31% of the children before they lost consciousness and was established afterward in 12 or 54%. I think we have to start thinking about treating video games as a much more exciting activity than, we, than we've been uh, acknowledging. And so, you know, probably talking about it and that there is some risk. Video games are probably safe for the vast majority of people. These inherited heart rhythm conditions are rare. The bottom line, high-risk players, Dr. Shubayan Sanateni says, should take precautions before engaging in the electronic war zone. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, a local legend earns his retirement. He's a fixture here. <laughs> After a half century in local politics and environmental activism, what Harold Steves plans to do when he finally leaves office. And after 80 years protecting our forests, Smokey Bear gets a rest. We'll introduce the new mascot for FireSmart coming up. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. Join Variety, the children's charity and Global BC as we celebrate Variety Week October 17th to 21st. Tune in to Global News as we share stories that highlight the hope your help can bring. Variety Week on Global BC. Well, it probably got lost in the pandemic-dominated news wheel, but a sudden retirement last year is getting a lot of attention on social media right now. In March of 2021, FireSmart Canada announced it was replacing the iconic Smokey Bear with a Canadian-made mascot, Ember the FireSmart Fox. FireSmart Canada says it chose to replace Smokey after nearly 80 years because Ember represents a new approach to fire prevention. With Ember the Fox, we have some control over what the message is. With Smokey the Bear, we, we use the product, but we don't have any input into the message. Ecosystems really depend on wildfire. The messaging has to explain why fire is an important part of the natural system. Well, he deserves retirement, for sure. He's had a long, hard career. Really heartbroken over that. He's like my childhood hero. Stop forest fires, you know. Poor Smokey. Although BC is no longer using Smokey the bear, or Smokey bear, whichever you prefer, some provinces have decided to keep him around a little bit longer. The the is quite controversial, isn't it? We had a discussion about it in the newsroom because I grew up saying Smokey the bear. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a the mm -hmm. person too. Yeah, Winnie it is not, it's not Winnie Pooh. It's Winnie the Pooh. 
So it is Smokey the Bear to this news crew, but Smokey Bear officially and Smoky mm -hmm. Skies out there still across a big part of the Lower Mainland. Christy's here now with more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're complaining here, but you think about the East Fraser Valley. They've been dealing with this for days now. It has been thick, the smoke, and through that area. It's just now that we're starting to see a little bit more move uh, further west, as well as, of course, the West Vancouver fire added to it. Here's a look at the Air Quality Health Index right now. East Fraser Valley is still the worst, where they're approaching that high-risk level, but it is still officially at a moderate level, Category 6. But then the further west you go, it does get a little bit better. You can see the blue dot for the southwestern section. I am expecting this air quality to be bad again tomorrow, similar to what you're seeing there. This is the scene out there right now looking towards sort of the Patello um that's looking towards the Portman Bridge from the Patello Bridge, where you can see how smoky it is in that region. And uh, yeah, it is going to persist. Now, the hotspot across Canada today was 26 in Port Alberni today, but there's quite a range in Vancouver near the airport. For example, we were only at 18, and we're expecting that again tomorrow, where we'll see 18 to 26 degrees across Metro Vancouver. As I mentioned earlier, and I really want you to uh, remember this, I am looking like, or it is looking like we could see a break uh, in in terms of more rain coming or some rain coming on Friday. So it's a week away, but that's still a week away. So it has a chance of changing. We'll update you as we get closer. It's just a chance, but it does look like several of the models are now in agreement that we'll see that uh, ridge of high pressure come to an end come late next week. In the meantime, we've got a fantastic weekend in store for us. So it will be chilly tonight as it will be tomorrow night, dropping down to lows of about eight or nine degrees in Metro Vancouver. But we'll see a range from 19 to 25 degrees across Metro Vancouver tomorrow, potentially 26 on uh, Sunday as well. So nice and warm this weekend as well. We're going to be flirting with record breaking conditions and still no rain in the forecast basically until about six or seven days. So it's late next week into Friday that we could start to see it break down. Here's tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from English Bay. Peter Grant capturing that. Of course, you can see the West Vancouver fire there with all of the smoke. Smoke. That was just earlier in the day when it was first starting. All right, back to you. And it looks like the geese flying back. You know, they're not even going <laughs> south anymore. So, like, it's so yeah. beautiful on the lower mainland. Right. We're staying. Right, right. Forget the vacation. <laughs> Forget the figures. <laughs> All right, thanks, Christy. Well, his name is synonymous with both the neighborhood of Steveston and Richmond City Hall. Harold Steves has been a councillor since the 70s and is the longest serving in the province. That's right. Pleased to have the story to show you after last night's fire alarm debacle. But as Jay Durant shows us on This is BC, Steve says at 85, it's time to retire from politics. But he still plans to stay busy. Okay, this is charred seed. The daily chores keep Harold Steves busy on his farm that's been in the family for the past 145 years. Okay, chickens. He comes from one of the oldest pioneer families in the area. That's where the village of Steveston gets its name. The ancestral home is a symbol of Harold's proudest legacy in politics, his fight to preserve Richmond farmland. We had a lot of battles on council. Some land was taken out. But the last 30 years, uh, Richmond Council has been firm and no land has been removed. In World War II, they had an ar army camp on our farm. So I was five years old. I was the mascot in the army. Protecting the land and water where he grew up is what drove him towards politics. The first mayor we had that, that was in favor of dumping raw sewage in the river. Steve served one term as an MLA in the 70s when he helped form the Agricultural Land Reserve. Longtime farmland defender, Harold Steves, for a few words. 
We must never destroy the land. What we take from it, we must return to it. And that's been my philosophy all my life. Steve started as a Richmond alderman in 1968 and immediately went to work on shutting down a proposed oil tanker facility. The super tankers were going to come into the river where the trees are. And that's what we objected to. So that's now Gary Point Park. Hello, how are you? Hey, not too bad at all. He's a fixture here. At 85 years of age, he still plans to stay active in community issues. But after a half century in politics, the time has come to take a step back. So it goes way out there, you can't even see the far fence. Because the garden needs tending. The chickens have to be fed. So that's an extra treat today. And he's close to getting his 1950 Dodge back on the road. She turned over, she almost started. And the timing couldn't be better. Once I've retired in three weeks, I'd have this thing running and call my all, all my friends up and take them for a ride. <laughs> Go for a cruise through the streets of Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, this, is, this is my number one retirement project. <laughs> Jay Durant, Global News. I know someone sitting right next to me who'd like to help him with that project. If you, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca and our best wishes to Councillor Steves and all of the other uh, councillors who are retiring from politics. Uh, you'll get some rest. Absolutely. Hopefully. Good luck. And yes, I can, I can turn a wrench. So, Harold, if you need some help, give me a call. <laughs> Uh, all right, last year, uh, last night at this time, uh, we were out of here. Yeah, we, we didn't come back from <laughs> the break. Yeah, this is about the break. part where the show ended. Yeah, it Rather was abruptly. A, it ended abruptly, and it was because there was a fire alarm in the building. Everything was fine, false alarm, but you didn't get a chance to do your thing. No, well, this is what, if you were in the building, you would have heard this. It was a lot louder, though. <laughs> That's why we couldn't, Still if we... Loud. Of course, we're not going to power through a fire alarm because there might have been an actual fire, which gladly there was not. There was not. It was just a false alarm. So but we'll if we just... had tried, you wouldn't have heard us anyway. So. But here we are again. Here we are again, and this time it's nice and quiet. In the studio, it's just us talking. The BC Lions are holding the Winnipeg tomorrow night, a game where the Lions need their defense to get back to the way they played earlier this year. Um, right now, we haven't been making as many plays as we would like to. Yeah, this is the kind of play the Lions cannot be allowing as they get ready for the playoffs. Also tonight, satellite debris. Skygo. Introducing the bird. Good weekend for local sports coming up. Yeah, it's the busiest time of the year for sports. You got the NHL starting, NBA is about to begin. You got the baseball playoffs, the NFL, the CFL. World Cup's coming up in a month. Yeah. A lot of things coming up. Women's uh, World Cup of Rugby going on right now. Okay. The uh, Canucks will play in Philadelphia tomorrow. Uh, taking on the Flyers, 1 o'clock hour time. Flyers coach, now John Tortorella. The uh, Canucks might have Ilya Mikheyev in the lineup. He was at practice today, and at practice, he sometimes skated on the line with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, and that was a line we saw in training camp. Now, he got hurt in his first preseason game with a lower body injury. We hadn't seen him after that. But we might see him. Might see him tomorrow. Okay, we were going to talk about this last night before we were so rudely interrupted, as I just mentioned to you recently. Uh, so we'll talk about it now. Even though you may already have thought that Kevin Bieksa had retired, he's going to sign a one-day contract with the Canucks and then retire. As I said, a lot of us thought, hasn't he already retired? I mean, he already has another job at Hockey Night in Canada, and he's good at it, but he hadn't. 
Uh, even though he last played for Anaheim, he wants to retire as the Canuck on November 3rd when the Canucks play the Ducks at Rogers Arena. Now, we all know Bieksa was more Canuck than Duck. That's for sure. Drafted by Vancouver in 2001, played 10 full seasons, parts of two others. This guy's heart was always way bigger than the logo on his jersey. Scored the goal from the stanchion bounce that put the Canucks in the Stanley Cup final. That's what they should give him as a retirement gift, part of that stanchion if it's still around. 11th all-time in games played for the Canucks at 597. All right. Jets play in the Rangers tonight. They've got uh, most of their people there, the Jets do, except... Uh, their coach, Rick Bonus, has COVID. Couldn't attend the game tonight. And this is Mark Scheifele scoring. And you know who he's scoring on? Former Canuck Yaroslav Halak, who is now in New York, backing up Shesterkin. It's 1-0 uh, for Winnipeg in the second period. Uh, Abbotsford Canucks start their regular season tonight in Ontario, Ontario, California, to play the LA Kings farm team, the Ontario Reign, not R-A-I-N, R-E-I-G-N. You know, like a king's reign. Get it? Very clever. Uh, Abbotsford won't play a home game until uh, October 28th. Tomorrow night, though, the BC Lions will play a home game against Winnipeg. 7 o'clock at BC Plays. And even though the Bombers are resting starting quarterback Zach Kalaros and bringing him back up Drew Brown to be the number one guy against the Lions, BC's defense will still be tested by this Winnipeg offense. Winnipeg leads the CFL in points scored. And the Lions' defense needs a test because they haven't quite been at the level they were earlier in the year. Over the top shot play towards the end zone. It's Tommy Neald out of nowhere. I mean, I understand we're going to give up plays, but not when they count, not when they matter most, not towards the end of the game. That was not the case last week versus the Argos, with Toronto stinging the Lions secondary with the game-winning touchdown with under three minutes to go. Those are the kind of plays championship teams don't allow. After a very strong start to the season, the Lions' defense has certainly been exposed in recent games. Honestly, we're just we're just battling through adversity. You know, I mean, it's it's a long season. Uh, everything's not going to be peaches. You know, so uh, we're expecting to turn things around for the tail end of the season. So that's where our mindset is, and that's what we're focused on. Um, right now, we haven't been making as many plays as we would like to. Um, the turnovers have went down, um, which is not something that we pride ourselves on. And, you know, we want to be known as a big play defense, but more so as a defense that puts our offense in position to score points. But there's time to fix it. BC still has three games left before playoffs. And whether Nathan Rourke comes back or not, the defense will have to step up and make those momentum-shifting plays. Forcing a fumble, a quarterback sack, an interception. There has to be a belief it can be done. Anybody can make that big play. It's about thinking, having that in your head, and coming in with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to, this, this play right here, this is going to be my play to make a, you know, game-changing play. All right, game two from the Bronx, Yankees and Guardians. Rosario. That's a tie game. 2-2. Fifth inning, extra innings. Mississauga's Josh Naylor to the gap, scores a run. Cleveland wins this by the score of four to two. So they've tied the series. Aaron Judge today, four strikeouts. He is struggling at the plate for the Yankees right now as the series is even, and they go back to Cleveland for game number three. There you go. Hits the big home runs, strikes out four times.
All right. Well, luckily, I say that without judgment. The fire. Nice. <laughs> nice. The fire alarm is not going off tonight because we have satellite debris coming up. Stay with us. <laughs> Jordan Armstrong is here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris BC Ferries is warning that a number of sailings between Tawasson and Swartz Bay are at risk of being cancelled tomorrow due to staffing shortages. We'll tell you about that. Plus, a big increase in advance voting in Vancouver. A look at the numbers and how it compares to 2018. Now, there have been long waits at some of the advanced polling stations. So is the city prepared for tomorrow? We'll be speaking with Vancouver's chief election officer. These stories and more tonight on Global News at 11. Chris. All right, and of course, we'll be here for all the results tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Thanks very much, Jordan. And we both voted already, right? You did. Yes, right? early voting is the way to go. Totally. Me too. Mm -hmm. Squire, I won't ask, but... Well, I, I, I'm not in Vancouver. That's a good point. Yeah. I vote in Burnaby. Good point. Well, you can vote tomorrow. And the mayor was acclaimed in Burnaby. Yeah. Nice. Other cool. councillors to... I anyway. know, I know. Satellite debris time. Yes, we have two to start out with. I guess this is, oh, well, I guess it is a Halloween commercial from uh, people who make smart car. And also, uh, you saw it in the preview, uh, the Tasmanian Devil shows up in a Geico commercial. Here we go. save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know certain cartoon characters should never have an energy drink? Action. <laughs> Geico. Introducing the Birds of America collection. 50 stunning hand-painted plates commemorating the state birds of our proud nation. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Oh, My late mother's favorite character, the Tasmanian yeah. girl. She reminds stop us, what she was doing to watch. It, he reminds us of a, of a certain global news personality. <laughs> managing editor. Yeah, managing editor. <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, so um, this one's from a couple of years ago. It's a lottery commercial. I think it's featuring, yes it is, James Blunt. Here we go. I want to reach out to the ordinary people of this country and say, hey, you may look painfully ordinary on the outside, but on the inside... You're beautiful, probably. So I've developed technology to communicate with people through their mirrors. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's hard to overstate how much it would mean to the average person to get a visit from me. I mean, look, it's James Blunt. Hello, you. You're beautiful. I just need one big lotto win. Hi there. And since there's been over 140 millionaires since October, well, things are looking... Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone can win with Lotto. Please, don't let it be him. <laughs> okay, this next one uh, goes way back. Um, EDS.com, which I think was bought by HP, if you want to know some business news and disappeared, but into HP. But when they were around, they had this Super Bowl ad, which uh, was very different and very memorable. It uh, was all about cat herding. Oh. And right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. 
Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half wild short hairs, well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, it's it just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you, you hear the stories, it's, I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. It was like herding cats, that company's job. Could you imagine actually trying to make that commercial? Like herding cats. It's like herding cats. <laughs> It'd be like herding cats. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> it's just so authentic. And the, the lint roller, I mean. <laughs> the guy sneezing. We've all been there. The right guy there. rolling up the ball of <laughs> string. That's good. All right, election day tomorrow. Don't forget, get out and vote. And should be perfect weather for it, right, Christy? Yeah, no excuses, that's for sure. Nice and warm tomorrow and for the next six to seven days, it looks like. All right, hope you'll join us for the broadcast tomorrow starting at 8 o'clock. Have a great weekend. Good night, all.